You want your five-star matches? You want your 30-minute classics? Not me. Big meaty men slapping me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. My name is Randall Beely. I'm your host, and let's dive on in. This is going to be my SummerSlam review show, and it's going to be no different than how I do reviews for any other pay-per-view. We're not going to go match for match and go move for move. We're not going to do that. We're just going to talk about the match, what I thought about the match, what I thought about, you know, where I think it's headed, and um, move on from that. Um, you know, I'm not here to to critique moves or critique any of that, right? Um, I just want to talk about the match. So let's start about, let's start with the first match of the night. They start with Becky versus Bianca. And this was a solid match. Very good. Two performers that um, I think are very trustworthy to put on good matches no matter where they are on the card. Um, And that's why they've spent a better part of the last year with these two feuding. And what a good way to culminate the feud with a solid match that saw Bianca Belair retain her championship. Um, and it saw Becky really put up a solid fight. Um, and But as good as the match was, everyone's talking about what happened after the match. Right? And this is... This told me instantly from the get-go, Triple H wrote this show. Triple H has been in control, right? Bailey came back, right? And that in and of itself would have been enough for a lot of fans to to be happy with the the segment if Bailey would have just came back, right? But she didn't come alone, right? She's a good heel. She brings back up. Out comes Dakota Kai. Let me tell you guys, I this is enough to make me happy for the rest of the show. You know, Dakota Kai has been my favorite women's wrestler of the last two, three years. It's about 2019, 2020, NXT. Like she's been, she was grinding, and it really like it. It irritated me that she didn't get that title push. And then she got released. Uh, And she hadn't done anything since being released. No announcements and really didn't post, you know, much of anything. And then she just comes back, 
no like reports about it, you know, none of that, which I liked. Um, and boom, we got Dakota Kai back. I'm so happy. Like Dakota Kai to me is one of the most underrated NXT women superstars of the la- you know of the you know the black and gold era. Um, and I don't think she gets enough credit for, you know, how good she actually is. So I like seeing her, you know, in this main feud, right? In this main storyline because she, she, she belongs there and she's a triple H person, right? I think had triple H had full control, you know, and would have worked things out. She would be, you know... She would have been NXT Women's Champion. Um, especially in this last run when she turned on Raquel. And I think that's when Triple H sort of lost control and Vince took over NXT, right? Um, but she is, she's gold. She's the perfect heel. And, right, the, and, right? But that's not even, a, that's not even it. Outcomes. EO. EO Sky is now her name, which I don't even hate it because she was called like the, um, what was, I don't even remember the Empress of the Sky or something like that. Wasn't that her nickname? Um, in NXT, I don't even hate the name EO Sky and at least like EO is spelled the way it's like pronounced IO, EO instead of like IO to me is weird, but IYO is it's actually like when I say EO, that's like that actually sounds like EO to me, not IO or you know. It, it, again, that's not a big deal. Spelling's not a big deal. But everyone's gonna complain about the name change. Event like on TikTok and on Twitter, you're gonna see oh name changes, name changes. Nah, who cares? Like it's EO Sky. I like the name, and it's also gonna be marketable because it's gonna be called Kai and Sky or something like that, right? Um, and I think that's what they were aiming for, right? But solid. I like this. Already off to a great start, right? Solid pay-per-view already. Um, I don't remember the, I'm gonna, I should have pulled this up. I don't remember the order of the matches and how they, uh, took place. Um... I don't understand why that was the first article that pulled up when I typed SummerSlam results, but okay. Sorry for, uh, I don't prepare for shows. Anyway, so next match is, um, I want to say it was the Logan Paul match. Was I correct? It was. Logan Paul and The Miz. Um... Now, let me tell you something. Logan Paul, this is going to be quite controversial. And I've seen a few people post this already, but I actually believe it. A lot of them just post controversial stuff, you know, to get people to to comment on their uh, videos or their pictures. I actually believe this, though. Logan Paul in two matches has shown me that he's a better wrestler than Dominic Mysterio has in his two years, in the last two to three years. 
This is no hate on Dominic. But when you show me Logan Paul and you show me Dominic Mysterio, I'm more interested in Logan Paul than I am in Dominic Mysterio. Because at least with Logan Paul, we have some depth in his character. Uh, granted, a lot of that is, hey, he's a douchebag off of WWE. Right? He's just a douchebag, and they're really playing off of that. Um, but at least I have something to, like, hold. Like, hold, like all I have for Dominic is he's Rey Mysterio's son. And I just don't see... Maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. I don't know. I just don't see improvement in Dominic. I'm not saying he's a bad wrestler. And I know even talking about him being in the ring and how good of a... Like, there's going to be those people who are like, well, you've never trained, you've never took a bump, you can't... Yes, I can't. Like, you can't do that, right? Well, how many of you... Like, and, and... Okay. Well, how many of you complain constantly about fast food or restaurant workers and oh this is made wrong oh this is made wrong how could I'm sure it's not that hard how many of y'all set foot in the kitchen though because I have but I've never said once to a customer oh you've never stepped foot in the kitchen so you can't complain no you have the right to complain if it's wrong right and I don't see improvement in Dominic Mysterio whereas in the two matches I've seen from Logan Paul, I've seen, at first off, improvement, but also I see that Logan Paul is more athletic, is better, in my opinion, than Dominic. Um, and this was a pretty decent match. It was a little sloppy. Like I said, but... Right, but I looked at it and said, okay, Logan slipped. You know, he did, it wasn't the most perfect match, right? But it was still good, right? And AJ Styles getting involved, you know, setting up storyline, perfect. I liked it. It was a very good um, match overall. And secondly, second thing, just one thing to bring up, Maurice, baby. Uh, I have a thing for French women now because of Maurice. And whatever the hell she was wearing, wear it again. I, that's all you need to wear. That's your attire. I don't even give a fuck. That's your attire, Maurice. Wear it every single week you're on TV. That's all I care about. Uh, look, look. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Moving on, U.S. title match. Now, I knew this match had to go on in the first half of the show, right? Because you need Theory to be rested if he's going to cash in, or at least tease a cash in, right? He needed to be rested. So this is the third match. I would have put it to start the show, in my opinion, just for that reason. Still a solid match. I, I knew Bobby wasn't going to lose it. Um, so Bobby wins by submission. And essentially... The storyline you could play here, if, if they want to go this route, is, well, he was self-present. And, and, and I would have Theory come out on Friday and and do a, uh, a promo about, yeah, I tapped out, but that was self-preservation, right? I had to be healthy. I ha I couldn't risk injury, right? That that should be the, the line that they're using, right, is, is this whole self. 
preservation um, idea. Um, but again, solid match. Not much to complain about. Austin Theory is, is it. He has it. He, he's going to be world champion one of these days. Um, uh, right? Then we have Mysterios versus Judgment Day. And I was not a fan. Of, like, this was that, like, piss break match for me. And it's no, like, offense to the people in the Judgment Day or to the Mysterios. It was just, I had no care. For, I have no care for this. The storyline, this, um, this match. And ultimately, at the end, everyone knew Edge was going to show up. At least at some point um, in this feud. And he, he came back. and um, It was okay. One of the worst matches on the card. But it was still okay. Like It was still like C-plus or higher. Right? Um, and so we're halfway through the card now. Right? We're halfway through the card... And I've thought, you know, halfway through the card, the first, you know, hour and a half, two hours, were solid. Solid way to open it with Becky and Bianca in the, in the debuts. You continue that with, you know, Logan Paul and Miz. Continue that with um, Lashley Theory. You have a little bit of a, a, a break in this match to me. But then you go right back in from it and you go into Pat McAfee and Happy Corbin. Which I thought was a solid match. Again... It's a little bit sloppy at times, right? McAfee lost his balance on the top rope, going out to the outside dive. He he didn't do the Panama Sunrise correct, but but he did a he, he did a Canadian destroyer for God's sake. It's like it's not an easy move to to do for someone who's in his third or fourth match. Um, the feud build up leading into this was great. McAfee getting the win was wonderful. But here's what I really liked. Michael Cole on commentary during this match. You you got to see a di- like during this feud, you get to see a different side of Michael Cole. That was you know because Michael Cole typically is your standard you know main announcer who remains unbiased, who doesn't really pick sides, but he's the guy there that's just supposed to call the matches for what he sees, right? While the the two color guys, you know, you have a heel and you have a face color guy. Right? It's typically how your announce booth works, right? But uh, Friday's announce team with McAfee and Michael Cole is just perfect because they don't really have that dynamic, right? It's. To me, it's a lot more loose, it's a lot more free, and it's a lot more entertaining than the guys on Raw. And. I mean, really, the only person on the Raw commentary team that I really like and that I think the company really cares for is Corey Graves, which is why he was on commentary for the entire SummerSlam pay-per-view. Um, but Michael Cole, um, right, was biased as a motherfucker, and I loved it, right? And I loved it. It was it, The commentary made this match for me. Um, you had the choir with the bum-ass Corbin chant, which was funny. Um... I don't think it was as good as WrestleMania um, with McAfee, but I thought it was still a decent match. Um, thought it was a decent match. 
Um, then we move on to the Usos and the Street Profits with Jeff Jarrett as ref. And I really didn't understand why he was there. Um, so, first off, whoever designed the Street Profits logo and gear, 10 out of 10. Tennessee Titans colors and so, perfect. Yeah, the cheerleader, perfect entrance, everything it needed to be. What I liked about this match was we've seen this combination, these two tag teams face off like eight times in the last two years. Right? With WWE needs a good tag team match, they put the Street Profits versus the Usos. It used to be, right, or the Usos versus the New Day. What This, ta- this is my reasoning as to why the Usos are the greatest tag team of the last decade. No, when I came back to start watching wrestling again in twenty end of twenty thirteen, beginning of twenty fourteen, the Usos were here, right? And they were the you know the the Samoan, they wore the orange or yellow or whatever the different color pants, and they painted their face, right? And you know they were great at that point. But over the last ten years, they just evolved. They've gotten better. They've done better gimmick work, in my opinion. Um, the Uso pin, like, and they've evolved and they've gotten better at my, like, and I think, I think the Usos are the best tag team of the last decade. Um, and I believe if I were to ask the question over the last 10 years, over the last decade, right? So from 2012 through 2022, who are your top three tag teams? Like, who makes your podium of tag teams from 2012 to 2022? The Usos would be on it. The New Day would be on it. And the Street Profits would be on it. Those are my three in that order. It would be Street Profits at three, New Day at two, Usos at one. This is not because I'm WWE only, and I understand that AEW and the rest of the indies really you know, aren't represented, but I really believe over the last 10 years, WWE, as much as people say they don't care about tag team wrestling, I think they've produced three solid tag teams over the last 10 years. The New Day, the Usos, and the Street Profits. Now, the division does need a lot of help, um, as is the entire mid-card mid and undercard of, of, the, of the show, because the, last, the focus over the last you know two years has really been main card. Roman Reigns and, you know, who on Raw, it was like Rollins, Lashley, McIntyre, and that was about it that they were getting over. So I hope Triple H really builds that mid-card up. But, you know, this match was solid, and what I really liked about it is they're putting in these small, tiny seeds of Montez Ford um, turning on Dawkins. And he, I mean, I'm recording this after watching Raw, and they did some more seed work tonight with Ford and Dawkins. I can't wait for this. I can't wait for this feud. I think that that's how they're going to end the year. I think they're going to clash to the castle, maybe have another tag team match. But then they'll go to Extreme Rules, Survivor Series. May, they may even have a match. Who knows? And... um. I don't know if December will have a pay-per-view. 
I don't know, because I know day one is going to actually be a pay-per-view. I think they actually confirmed that day one on January 1st will be a pay-per-view, and they'll do Royal Rumble at the end of January, I assume. Um, so, solid match there as well. Um, then we go to Liv Morgan and Ronda. Um... This was the only solution, other than having like a DQ or like a count out to where, or, or something, right? The, the, the way this match ended was the only way you could end this match without completely burying Liv Morgan or completely ruining everything you've done with Ronda. You're able to turn her heel. Um, I want to know like what is going to be like her punishment for putting her hands on the ref. Um, so you get the Ronda turn, and then you you keep Liv as champion. I like this booking decision. Um, I think by far this was the worst match of the night. Um, but not every match was going to be a banger, and I came in knowing this, right? But there were some good moments. Um... It, it it felt right though to finally turn Ronda into a heel, um, right? And then we have the main event. Now let me tell you about this. So I'm not the type of person that's like, oh Roman and Brock can't ever put on a good match. That is not at all my opinion. Um, I've thought several of their matches that they've had have been solid. Um, but this one was my favorite of them all. Um, just everything about it, right? Um, from the tractor, you know, being driven down by Brock to, um, the, the match in and of itself, it was physical. This is the, and I, and I, and I'll say this, Brock Lesnar to me, needs to be in this style of match every match, right? They made Brock Lesnar look fucking unbeatable. I mean, he got up after chair shots. He got up after taking titles to the face, spears, Superman punches. Like, he got up after everything, right? And, right? And Roman... With the help of the Usos and Paul Heyman, like this, it was just a great storytelling match. Um, you know, you had your fun moments. You know, Brock lifting up the ring with the tractor, that was great. Uh, Paul Heyman going through the announce table, that was great. Um, yeah, the only thing I wish would have been different, and I know fans are going to be upset with it, is I wish the cash in would have gone through. I wish the ref would have, you know, called for the bell and and announced the cash in. Um, and then Brock would have hit him with the F five. I wish that would have happened, because what you can then have is Theory going on SmackDown this week, complaining to you know Adam Pierce or upper management about how it wasn't fair. He didn't want to cash in. He was just teasing. And, like, the whole storyline of basically him being screwed over. 
um, of a championship opportunity and him losing the briefcase. Now, a lot of fans would have probably been pissed off at it about, oh, what it makes, right? And especially the Riddle stands, right? The Riddle stands would have definitely been pissed off um, if that happened because everyone thought Riddle deserved the money in the bank. Um, But, I mean, this was great entertaining fun for me. Um, so those are the matches. Let's talk about the two other little segments that people talk about. And that is Riddle and Rollins. So I guess Riddle came out, said, you know, he's not medically cleared, but he's not going to listen. And he wants Seth to come out and they're going to fight. So Seth comes out with the, and he has all of like the producers and stuff running behind him, trying to stop him from fighting. And Riddle gets stomped again. And I don't know if this was just their way to write him off of television. Or I don't really know what it, what this segment was for. Now I've heard some people say, well, they should have done the match. And had Riddle get like stomped and then, you know, stop the match. Or him, him that's how he ends it. Or whatever. I would have rather... Um... I actually don't mind it, actually, the way this was booked. Um, Because Riddle did ask for it, right? And, I I mean, I liked it. I I wasn't disappointed in that segment at all. Um, And then the other one that I really just need to explain to people, because people are like, well, why is Drew talking? He's not setting up a match. He's not, you know, he's not going to fight at SummerSlam. So why is Drew here? Why is he taking time? Why is he talking? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is called the art of promotion. Drew McIntyre needed to set up Clash at the Castle, right? It, right? And so he he's going to be the guy on the poster because he's Scottish and they're going to Wales and right? Now I still think he loses. I do. I don't think he's going to be the guy to to beat Roman Reigns. Um but, I mean, I it didn't bother me. Like, Drew, I mean, they really need, did need to set up that paper, that, that Clash of the Castle, you know, and have him come out and speak and say, like, right, that promo accomplished a lot, even though people are like, well, why are we doing it? Um, I've really come to the understanding, or at least my the opinion, that wrestling fans don't like promos. Um, or... Right, I feel like a lot of wrestling fans just watch the show to watch matches. But you need to set up the matches. You need to promote the matches, right? Um, so, I don't know. I feel they just like to complain as well, a lot. But that's my SummerSlam review, right? Short, simple, and to the point. The Triple H era is officially starting. Um, and I hope he does some some things different. I just really hope he doesn't run this like NXT because here's, here's my, here's my concern. I've already mentioned it, right? There, there, there's a, there's a difference, right? There's a disconnect, right? At the peak, NXT only got about 600, 700,000 viewers, right? At its peak, 
Dynamite, and we're going to put AEW in there to just to under, just understand. Like, uh, There's a comparison here. I mean, Dynamite at its peak, you know, they've reached a million a few times, but they're really around 800,000, 900,000 viewers, right? Rampage is averaging like 400,000, 500,000 and dropping every single week, right? And those, the people who watch Dynamite, the people who watch NXT, the people who watch Rampage, those are your hardcore fans, right? Those are going to be your hardcore fans. Now, if you look at Raw and you look at SmackDown, Raw, you know, at its lowest, 1.5, 1.6, you know, it averages around 1.8 million, right? SmackDown averages around 2, 2.3 million, right? Because they got that casual fan base. And my fear is that Triple H is going to try to make WWE as a whole become sort of this indie-type style and it's going to throw off your casual fan base. And then Raw's ratings drop. Right? If Raw's ratings start to drop, Triple H needs to understand that you're not just booking for the IWC. You're not just booking for your hardcore wrestling fans. You have to book for the casuals. You have to book for the guys who only turn on to see Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Right? You have to give them something to watch. Like, if you watched Raw tonight, Ciampa didn't get an applause. Io Shirai didn't get the big, the big uh, pop, right? But Becky Lynch did. But Bianca Belair did these, right? But Io, no, no one really knows who, and they didn't make it a priority to explain who these people are. They sort of just assumed that people knew who they were, right? Um, and so, I think they need to do a better job of, you know, doing that. Um, and I just really hope they don't turn this into like black and gold NXT all over again, because black and gold NXT is for a certain audience. And that's only about six to 900,000 people. And if you're fine with that, that's fine. But that's half of what you normally get on a raw, right? And you're going to kick away a lot of your revenue base, right? You know, people who go to WWE events, when, when they see it advertised in their city, a lot of them don't watch it all that much. But they go because they, like, oh, this might be a fun time, right? Um, so, yes, give the IWC some of their feel-good moments, like, you know, Bailey and Dakota and them, you know, de- debuting and coming back, but... You can't just book for the IWC. Because a lot of them are going to watch no matter what you put on. Right? But the casuals, if it doesn't appeal to them, they're going to turn it off. I'll be honest with you. If if WWE, you know, sort of starts to feel like, you know, the very end of black and gold era of NXT, I may not watch that much. I'll just gonna be honest with you. Because to me, that was very boring and stale to me. Right, I love NXT 2.0. There's a priority on gimmicks. There's a priority on character work. It has that 90s WWF feel to me. And I like that. Um, and if they switch it back to black and gold style, then I don't know, man. I'm not going to say I'm going to completely stop watching because I'm not. But I may watch less. I just Because I'm really starting to get into the WWE product again. Because there was a period of time where I literally would only just watch pay-per-views. But I'm really starting to get back into it. 
Um, because a lot of it is entertaining to me. And so I really hope they don't fuck that up. Um, but yeah, that's the episode. I want to thank you guys for, um, listening, let, uh, share this, you know, follow it, subscribe to it. I don't know if we're on like Google podcasts and all that. You can like follow and subscribe and all of that. Um, so share this out with everyone. Find me on TikTok at it's RB bitch B X T C H. Um, that's also my Twitter handle. I-T-S-R-B-B-X-T-C-H. That's my TikTok and my Twitter handle. Um, This has been the Slapping Mean Wrestling Podcast. And I'll see you on the next episode.